Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Please give your attention as I read God's holy, inspired, inerrant word. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are continuing our series through Advent as we look at the themes of Advent. Uh, you have hope, peace, which is what we're looking at this morning, joy, Lord willing, next week, and then love, in two weeks' time. And these themes are surrounding and, and centered on the promise of the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we're looking at it from a, sort of like a past perspective, right? Christ has already come. Christ has already been born. Christ has already not only come and done His work, but He's ascended. But Advent is, a, in a sense, a way to remember and to call to mind the promise of his coming and what his coming promises to us. And this morning our theme is peace. Last week we looked at hope, the hope that we have in Christ. This week we look at the peace that we have in Christ. And as I was putting together the bulletin uh, for this week, I always put it together early, but then I don't print it off until the end of the week because you never know, there might be an error, I might need to make a change. And this week, there was a, I made a game time decision change because I was talking about peace this morning, and I wanted to, uh, we can't talk about peace without singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing, which we will sing uh, after uh, the sermon this morning. But that first verse is so telling in Hark the Herald Angels Sing, where it says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn king. There you have that promise of peace, the peace of his coming. The peace that is promised to us is God and sinners are reconciled. That's what it means to have peace. That was what was promised uh, in the coming of the angels when the shepherds are there in Luke chapter 2, when the shepherds are there uh, on the day or the eve of, of Christ's birth, the angelic host, this is what the song is based on, the angelic host appear to these lowly shepherds and they announce the good news of glad tidings that one would come, one who would be born in Jerusalem, who would be this Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace that is promised all the way back in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This one who would come, this child who would be born, upon whose shoulders the government would be laid, and he would be called Mighty God, Counselor, Prince of Peace. 
That is what we look at when we see the coming of Christ. That is what we try to recall and bring to memory when we think about the advent of Christ. He came to bring peace. And that's what Paul here is getting at in this passage. As we look at this passage, this is not a, an Advent passage. It's not talking at all about the coming of Christ. But what it is talking about is the effects of the coming of Christ. Because Christ has come, because he has reconciled us, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have peace if Christ doesn't come. Right? We cannot divorce any of the benefits of salvation from the fact that they are rooted and grounded in the Christ of salvation. If Christ doesn't come, if Christ isn't born in that little manger in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, if he doesn't live a life of perfect righteousness according to the law of God, if he does not go to the cross in obedience to the Father and die an atoning death on that cross, we have no peace. We have no peace. So Paul here, as we look at this passage this morning, he's going to, he, he kind of gives you sort of a progression, if you will. He begins by saying, having been justified, we have peace. And then because we have peace, we have access. And because we have access, we can glory in our tribulations. So that's the, that's the progression Paul is getting at here in Romans 5. And, and really, the, the point of it all this morning is that the advent of Christ is the foundation of our peace with God through faith. The advent of Christ is the foundation of our peace with God through faith. So we have here, peace with God is our first point as we're going to look at in verse 1. Then access by faith, we'll see in verse 2. And then glory in tribulations, which we'll see in verses 3, 4, and 5. First, let's look at peace with God. Peace with God. Verse 1, therefore, as I, I, I think there should be like a trademark and when you say, What's the therefore, therefore, right? You know, that, that should, someone should get a nickel or something every time that's said in a sermon somewhere. What's the therefore, therefore? Well, it always points us back, and we'll get to that in a moment. But therefore, having been justified. So Paul is arguing here from, a, from the fact that you are already justified. Why? Because that's what we see in chapters 3 and 4. So having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, always grounded and rooted in the fact that Christ has come. Now again, the therefore points us back to what Paul has been arguing in Romans. And um, if you remember, if you were here with us in Sunday school when I first started here, which is what, going on four years now? Time flies when you're having fun. Anyway, we started a Sunday school series through Romans, and Romans is structured much well our Heidelberg Catechism is structured after the, the, the outline in Romans where Paul talks about our guilt our sin he talks about our salvation in Christ and then he talks about our gratitude how we show forth our thankfulness 
And in, verse, in chapters 1, uh, really starting in chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through chapter 3, verse 20, Paul hammers us with the law. He shows us how we are lawbreakers. He shows how no one is righteous before God, how all of sin and all have come under judgment, how no one is righteous, how no one seeks after God, how there is no good in the, in the land, and how the, the wrath of God is being revealed. But then in chapter 3, verse 21, he gives you uh, that great but, you know, that, that my favorite word in the Bible where you see the word but, it always marks a transition. But there is a righteousness that is being revealed that is apart from the law. A righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And that takes us from chapter 3, verse 21, all the way to the end of 4. So he, he expounds on our justification. He talks about how justification is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And then... When he gets to chapter 5, he says, Therefore, because you have been justified, because you have been declared righteous, that's what justification is. It is a legal declaration. It is a declaration in which God, who is the great judge over us all, declares you not just not guilty. Because what do they say in, in legal courts, right? If you're declared not guilty, doesn't mean you're innocent. just means we don't have enough to prove you guilty. Well, God doesn't just declare us not guilty. He declares us innocent. He says you are innocent because of your faith in Christ. Because Christ has worked a positive righteousness. And you receive that through faith. God now declares you judiciously righteous, innocent, perfect, holy in his sight. That's the teaching in Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. We have been declared judiciously righteous and innocent in his sight. And then Paul says, because of that, because now you are righteous, because you are innocent, we have peace. We have peace with whom? With God. Like, well, I wasn't angry with God before. Well, God was angry with you. <laughs> Why was God angry with you? Because you were a sinner. Because you were unrighteous. Because you suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. Because you, were, you, you sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God was angry with you. We have peace. Do not miss the gravity of this declaration. Let that sink in with you. The creator of all things, the one who breathed life into your lifeless body at birth, declares you righteous and now is at peace with you. This, is, this word peace speaks of harmony between individuals. Because before our justification, we were enemies. If you have your Bible open there to Romans 5, just drop down to verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, you know, brought, right? God and sinners reconciled. Think of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, again, having been justified because we have peace, we shall be saved by his life. There was a time when you were an enemy of God. There was a time in which you walked as the sons of disobedience, in which you walked as one upon whom the judgment of God was upon. This is the bad news. 
This is the bad news. You were at enmity with God. You were under wrath. You were under judgment. You were under uh, condemnation. But, but, what's my favorite word in the Bible? But, this is the good news. What we could not do, Christ has done in Christ. That's why we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By the means of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he did what we could not do. Because he paid the price that we could not pay. We have peace. Christ was born in this world. As Galatians 4.4 4 says, in the fullness of time. In the perfect time as the time was ripe Christ was born into this world he was born under the law he submitted himself under the law the law giver submits himself to being under the law so he could redeem so he could purchase all of us who were under the law he came to fulfill the law he then took our sins upon himself and bore the wrath That's what the word propitiation means. You see that in Romans chapter 3. He is our propitiation. Just a big fancy word that means he appeased the wrath of God. Instead of us bearing that wrath, God pours that wrath. Think of Revelation and the bowls of wrath being poured out. God pours all that wrath on his son, Jesus Christ. So our peace comes at the cost of Christ bearing that wrath for us. Our peace comes because Jesus took our punishment. Because God then expended all of his anger, all of his wrath, all of his punishment on his son. And then as Romans 4.25 says, then he was raised for our justification. In other words, being resurrected means that God was satisfied with that that, uh, sacrifice of his son. Because of that, because that wrath has been expended, there's no wrath left for us. We have peace. We have peace. And then God can say what we see in the the blessing that uh, the high priest Aaron was supposed to pronounce over his people where we can see that the face of God has been turned toward us to bless us and to be gracious unto us. God's face was turned away upon his son, right? Why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your face away from me? Now that face can be turned toward us in blessing. That countenance can be raised upon us. And as the, the blessing says, and give us shalom. It can give us peace, restoration. So do not miss the crucial part of all this. We have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Advent marks the coming into this world of the Prince of Peace who brings peace to God's people, who brings peace to those who have been justified, to bring, who brings peace to those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ Alone, we have peace. Well, then, peace, as justification leads to peace, peace now leads to access, as we see in verse 2. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, Christ, also we have access. So we have peace, 
And we have access into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So kind of bringing in that theme of hope as well, too. That was unintentional, but kind of a happy providence there. We have access into this grace in which we stand, and then that brings us to rejoice then in the hope of the glory of God. So there's, this is an awesome benefit that we see here, an awesome benefit of our peace with God, which is access, which is, uh, in other words, we have now the ability to come into the presence of God. Why? Because the sins have been taken away. Right? God, who is too holy to look upon sin, uh, was uh, his presence to the people of God was veiled in the Old Testament. Access was veiled. It was restricted. It was guarded. Right? Think of all the things you had to do in the Old Testament to come before God. You had to bring an animal sacrifice. And then the one giving the sacrifice couldn't even go into the sanctuary. They had to stay outside. And then uh, a, a representative on their part, the priest, would have to bring that sacrifice to the altar and would have to sacrifice it. And then uh, on the Day of Atonement, all the sins of the people would have to be uh, atoned for in the presence of God. It was guarded. It was veiled. It was restricted. In fact, the entire place where God would dwell had a big old curtain in front of it. So access was guarded. And it's not because God is like, oh, I, don't want to, I don't want to be with these people. No, he wanted to be with these people. That was the whole point of the tabernacle, so God could dwell with his people. Problem is, God has to dwell in a veiled way because his holiness would destroy our sinfulness. If the way to God, if access was not veiled or guarded or restricted, we would be consumed by his holiness. Think of the story of two of Aaron's sons in Leviticus chapter 10. You've got Nadab and Abihu, right? What do they do? Well, they come into the presence of the Lord. They think they can come with access in any old way they chose. And God said, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen, right? If you don't come in the way that I prescribe for your own safety, you will be cut off. And that's exactly what happened to those two sons. They were put to death. But because Christ has reconciled us, because we have peace, because the enmity is over, because now peace has been declared, because of that, now we have access. Enemies have become friends. Aliens and strangers have become citizens. Orphans and childless people have become children. We have access. And we have access because of Jesus, right? What does Jesus say in John 14, 6? I am the way. I am the road. I am the way of access to the Father. You cannot get to the Father except through the way that I provide. It says in John chapter 10, I am the door to the sheepfold. There's only one door. If you try to sneak in over the wall, well, you're a thief and a robber. Only the shepherd comes in through the door. And if you come in through the door, you have access. And this idea of the way and the veil is brought uh, fully in in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 and 20, where uh, we talk about uh, the veil has been torn. Uh, You know, when Jesus died, right, that veil in the temple curtain was torn in uh, in two from top to bottom. And and the author of Hebrews makes a lot of uh, play on that, where he says, 
Now the way has been granted through the new and living way that is through the flesh of Christ who was killed on our behalf, who was sacrificed on our behalf. So we have this access because Jesus is the way. An access by faith. It is only those who have placed their trust in Christ, who have placed their faith in Christ, who have this access. There's no other way to access God except through faith. There's no other way to to come into the presence of God uh, unclothed, if you will, or, or, or unrestricted, if you will, except by the way of faith. It is through the instrumentation of faith that this is made possible. Then Paul says you have access now into this grace in which we stand. This grace, this unmerited favor. Grace is the foundation, if you will. It is the the foundation of our salvation. It is not based on merit. It is not based on work. It is not based on anything that we would provide. Salvation comes freely because of God's graciousness. It comes as a gift received by faith. And then this grace is the foundation upon which we stand here, as he says. You stand on this. Right? That's why you, know, you want your foundation to be sound. You want your foundation to be firm. We see how firm a foundation, uh, saints in the Lord, that we have through Christ and his excellent word. This foundation upon which our faith is, rests is God's grace. God's unmerited favor. It is not a foundation. If you had a foundation of merit, if you had a foundation of work, that would be a very shaky foundation to have uh, salvation and access. So we have access into this grace upon which we stand. And that's what allows then the writer of Hebrews in, four, in chapter 4, verse 16 to say then we can come boldly. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to receive grace in this time of need, right? We can, not like arrogantly, but we can come confidently. That's the point he's trying to make. You come boldly. Why? Because you have peace. And that peace now gives you access into the great throne room of the king. Well, finally, let us look at verses then 3 through 5 as we see here glory and tribulation. So our justification leads to our peace. Our peace leads to our access. And then our access leads to the fact that as Paul says at the end of verse 2 there, we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. If you remember last time we looked, last week we looked at Colossians and we talked about what is our hope. It is, it is the hope of uh, of glory, that is, uh, the, the mystery is Christ in you. He is the hope of glory. He is the the guarantee of the great expectation of glorification that we have. And Paul here says, because we have access to this throne of grace, upon uh, because we can now stand on this foundation of grace, because we have peace, we can have glory in our tribulations. We can glory in our tribulations. So, I like how verse 3 start, uh, starts there. And not only that, but we also have... So, you, you ever watching those old TV commercials, right? Back, back in the day when they, 
you know, not, not on your, your network television, it's always on those UHF channels where they, they, you know, sold you the knife that can cut tomatoes and cut through a, you know, a tin can and can cut through, you know, or, you know, these stupid things. And then they offer you these knives and they say, but wait, there's more, you know, and then, but wait, there's more. And it's like, you know, well, that's what kind of I give, you know, the feeling I get here with Paul's like, look, not only do you have justification, not only do you have peace, not only do you have access, but wait, there's more. You get to glory in your tribulation. Now, that doesn't sound like more. Right? I get to glory in my tribulations? That doesn't sound like fun. But think about it. it is, in a sense, it is fun because it means that whatever happens in this world cannot take away your peace, cannot take away your access, cannot take away your, ju- your justification. You can, whatever this world throws at you, you can glory in that. Why? Because you know you have the hope of glory that Paul there says at the end of verse 2. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God, which then allows us to glory in our tribulations. It allows us to glory in our tribulations. And you see, again, another kind of progression here, where he says, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character, hope. So you got this tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, I can say I can say that word. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. That's what happens when you you're so excited and you want to talk about this. You're kind of talking too fast. Tribulation, perseverance, character, hope. That's what you have here. And, 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 and this is similar to what you see um, in James, where he says, count it all joy and you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, which produces patience, which produces maturity or perfection. That's what Paul is getting at here. This is kind of Paul's version of it. But because we have justification, which then leads to our peace, which then leads to us to have access to God, the way it's been opened, then when trouble comes, what can troubles do? Can trouble take away your access to God? Can trouble remove your peace with God? Can tribulation remove your justification with God? No. So I can glory in my tribulations. Because what is the tribulation producing in me? It's producing patience or uh, perseverance. The word there, endurance, is is the actual word there. And the word there kind of just means you, you are able to remain under the weight of the tribulation. You are able to endure under that. And then that endurance produces a character, which if you have a footnote in the New King James, there says approved character, something that has been tested, something that has been tried. So as you endure under the tribulations, because you know you have justification, your standing with God is secure, you have peace, the enmity is over, you have access, you can, you can go and, and, and uh, receive from the reservoir of grace, then you know that as you endure these trials, it tests in, in, in your character, and you have this proven character, which then leads to hope, which we talked about last week. And he says here in verse 5, hope does not disappoint. Christian hope does not disappoint. Worldly hope can disappoint ten ways to Sunday. Christian hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. 
the love of God, which we saw is given to us while we were enemies. We were enemies. We were reconciled. Now, because we have been reconciled, the hope that we have does not disappoint. We can rest assured in everything that we face that nothing will separate us from the love of God. Again, think about it. If you have peace with God through Christ, what can possibly trouble you in this life? You look at Romans 8. If you just turn a couple pages over. Romans 8, verse 35. Or here he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, realize, this is Paul speaking rhetorically. By that I mean, the answer here is no. Nobody. Okay? Who shall... S- so, I'm going to ask a question. You, you give me the answer. Think of this like a catechism. Okay? The answer is nobody. Alright? I'm, I'm giving you the answer ahead of time. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody, right. How about tribulation? Can tribulation separate us from Christ? No. How about distress? Persecution? Famine? Nakedness? Peril? Sword? All these things cannot separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because He gave Himself for you. He died to uh, solve your greatest problem, which is sin. If he died for your sins, all these other things are much less than that, okay? If he came and died for you, then all these other things are as of nothing. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet, verse 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. In the Greek, that word is one word, and it means like a a super conqueror, a hyper conqueror. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then you get verses 38 and 39. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is Christ, which is ours in Christ Jesus. That's why Jesus could say at the end of the uh, the Beatitudes, blessed are you when you face persecution. Right? Or Paul can say in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, you know, I, I, I glory in my weakness. Why? Because I know in Christ I'm strong. So I can glory in my weakness. And hope, again, does not disappoint. All earthly, worldly hopes and expectations disappoint, but our hope in God does not. Thus we can glory in our trials. We can glory in our trials. As I read this last last week, but when Paul says in Romans 8.18, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to comp- be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I can glory in my trials. I can, I can take the worst that this world has to throw at me. We can all take the worst that this world has to throw, in us, throw at us and we, can, and we don't have to be disappointed because we have peace with God through Christ. This is what it... This is what ultimately matters, is if you have peace with God, then nothing else in this world that, that this world can throw at you matters. As long as you have peace with God, which comes through Christ Jesus our Lord. And again, all this is made possible because the Lord of glory came to earth as a vulnerable little baby boy, right? 
We, we are getting ready to celebrate that birth in a few short weeks. He came into this world as a vulnerable little baby boy, announced by the angels, immortalized in song. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This peace is not a universal peace. It is not a peace to every single man, woman, child living on this earth. It is a peace with God through Jesus Christ. You have to receive this peace through Jesus Christ. You have to be united to Christ, and that comes by faith. If you are not reconciled to God through Christ, you do not know this peace. You do not have this peace. You do not have access into the the grace upon which we stand, and you cannot glory in your tribulations. You are still in your sin, and there is no peace but only enmity. As a you know, little bumper sticker says, right? No Christ, no peace, right? K-N-O-W. No Christ, no peace. And then no Christ, N-O. <laughs> no Christ, no peace. So if you know Jesus, you have peace. If you have no Jesus, you have no peace. The people of Jesus' day were looking forward to the prophesied Prince of Peace. This is what their expectation was. Right? This is what they were waiting for. When the angel announces to Mary, that's why her heart uh, leapt in song about how God was visiting his people and bringing uh, all of his promises true in this baby that was promised to this insignificant little woman 2,000 years ago. This is what the people of God were looking for. They were looking for one who would restore them, who would restore them to peace with God. Not peace from the Roman Empire, peace with God, shalom, wholeness, completeness. And that one is Jesus Christ. Advent is all about his coming to bring us peace. And the big payoff here for Paul is that those of us who are justified by faith For those who have been declared righteous by God through faith in Christ his Son, there is peace. The enmity is over. Access is now granted to the Father through Christ, who is the new and living way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to bring our service to a close, Lord, we are so much in awe of what Christ brings to us as we remember his coming into this world. As we saw last week, we have hope. We have hope in our tribulations because we have the hope of glory who is Christ in us. And as we, saw, as we see this week, we see that we have peace. Our enmity is over because our sins have been forgiven. And we know that one day our, our Savior will return to bring a full and eternal peace where all of your enemies will be crushed and cast out. And there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more evil, no more sin. We long for that day, Lord. So even now, as the people in the Lord's Day, we're looking forward to Christ. We also look forward not to his first advent, but to his second advent, his coming again in glory. Until that day, Lord, we pray that you will strengthen us in our faith and keep us firm and preserve us 
until that day where our faith will be made complete, where faith will be made sight, and hope will be realized. Pray all this in Jesus' name.